Hi, I'm Jess. And I'm George. And this is Transfantastic, a podcast about gender, identity, orientation, and all the other stuff that happens along with that. Like cults. Yeah, there's that. I, I have not mentioned that much. We may have mentioned it here. I think we haven't talked about it in years. I think we did talk about it a little bit when we were talking about your trans biography, but I don't think we've talked about it much, at least since we've been in this house. That was a while ago. It was. Yeah. So, a cult. Yeah, so there's this thing. I, I was in a cult once. You were in a cult once. Yes, it's a weird thing. It is a weird thing. If you're in a cult. It, it, well, it doesn't seem weird while you're in the cult. That's why you're in the cult. <laughs> Yeah, it does eventually if you're if you left. It yes. eventually. Yeah. It seemed weird. So now it seems weird that you had been in a cult. It seems weird to me to say that out loud. Like I know this. I forget about it because it was a long time ago. But yes. saying it out loud, saying I was in a cult, that sounds weird because it is a weird thing to do. And if you know that, then you know that that wasn't a good idea. I mean, if you say, I was in a cult, then the was part indicates you knew that wasn't a good idea, and so you stopped. Yes, the the past tense is the key idea here. Yes. And like you said, you don't know that at the time that you're in it because it kind of creeps up on you. And next thing you know, you're in a cult. Well, and that's the thing. Like when you and I were first together, you weren't even calling it a cult. You were saying, well, I would, there was this church that I was going to and we did all these things and I went all across the country and this and that and the other. And Yes. Well, they, they, they are a church or they were a church in their mind. Yes. Which many cults are. Well, yes. Mm-hmm. But like when did that switch happen in your brain? Like were you already calling it a cult and you just didn't feel comfortable saying it? out loud then or you didn't know how I would react and so you didn't say that then or I think I didn't I didn't consider it I just thought of it as a very extreme church it didn't strike you until we had been together for a while that would be like decades after you had left the cult well I I kind of knew I had left a cult but they weren't as extreme at the time I left as as I've just found out recently that they got way more like bunker crazy and all that kind of stuff so Let's back up first to to your experience. How how did you can can I ask you what the name of the group was or like how you got involved with them? Yes. Yes. The group was called the Church Universal and Triumphant. Okay. Mhm. And they considered themselves multi uh, the word just went away because probably, you know, Multi-denominational? Yes, yes, that's the word. Okay. Which was just their way of explaining how many religions they had smushed together. Okay. Mm-hmm. In retrospect, that's my opinion. And what were some of these concepts that they had smushed together from various different faith traditions? Uh, Buddhist, uh, Hindu. Uh, like, d- what, what from the Buddhists and what from the Hindus? Oh, uh, the actual Buddha, like, saying these are the Bo- Buddhist teachings Okay. Yeah. And they did have uh, Jesus okay. as well. They had uh, Hindu gods and goddesses. Okay. They also had Kuan Yin. And a funny thing is, when I was in school in Hawaii, when I was going to University of Hawaii, I took a religion class. <laughs> and most people go there to learn about other religions. But it turns out I knew all those religions when I got there. No. <laughs> I just took it because I thought, let me see what this is like compared to what I went through. Right. You know? Okay. Yeah. And we were in Hawaii, so there was this long-haired white guy with no shoes on doing the class. That's totally great. In a big auditorium. That's freaking hilarious to me. But 
So these were the actual concepts and tenets of these religions, but they just all got smooshed together. They gripped them all up. Okay. Mm-hmm. And what kind of cognitive gymnastics did they do to make that happen? Well, they just said, uh, you know, we have all these uh, ascended masters. Ascended masters. Yes. Yeah, so okay. Jesus is is like a ascended master to them, and and uh, Saint Germain was their their really big one, which I ran across again today when I looked at a book. That was written by somebody. It was written about some folks who had the experience of being in this cult as children. So their parents were in it. But this was, you know, the book was already the crazy bunker days and I wasn't there. You quit before they got into the crazy bunker days. I did. But you did find something there that was worth doing before they got to the crazy bunker days. That's why you were participating. Supposedly. I mean, you know, I think people who end up at cults want control over things or want to be led in a direction or want answers to things just like a lot of people do. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, only more extremely. Well, so. I, I think that makes sense. Like you, you feel, if you feel like your life is in some ways beyond your control, then you want a system of beliefs that will allow you to access whatever is controlling it. Yes. If you feel like there are, um, forces in the world that are stacked up against you, it's easier to pray against principalities than it is to protest capitalism. Or do something. Or, you know, any of that. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. It, right. It's, it's easier to make all of it some sort of big spiritual thing than it is to actually engage with the real evils of the world. That's, what I, that's a problem I have with religion overall and with most Christians. And it seems like, you know, that, that's what we have the most of around here. But anyhow, how I got into it was I was in high school and my mother had made friends with a woman who ran a business, uh, you know, a healthcare type business, alternative health. And my mother started going there and then became friends with this woman and then started working for her, like her front desk lady or whatever. Okay. And her, this lady and her husband were in this cult. Okay. And so my mother started attending and, and I attended sometimes on a periphery, you know, I, I try some things out and, and their biggest thing was this chanting, which they called decrees. Mm-hmm. And you just do it over and over and over again, because then we have consumed all your time. Okay, then. Yeah. And uh, so they had a main campus Okay. in Malibu, and then they had these houses in different cities and places that were the church center for that city that people could go to. Okay. And there were folks who lived there who would be on staff. Mm-hmm. So they would be of service in the church and they would work full time. Right. So that's what we had in Chicago. We had this big old house that was down towards the lake area. Mm-hmm. So humongous, you know, three, four story house. Probably the fourth was an attic or something and a basement. And we'd have our church services there. And then we'd have lunch and then we'd have more church. And other days we'd have church because in a cult they have a lot of services. <laughs> and now like these chants, these It's been empirically demonstrated that the practice of a repeated cognitive focus can be beneficial, like mantras and prayers and focused breathing, even things like that, that help silence the monkey mind, as it were. You know, Mm -hmm. there there are more scientific terms for it. But, you Mm -hmm. know, these are things that can be genuinely beneficial. But it depends on what you're saying. It does. What were you saying? Can I ask? You know, I... 
couldn't tell you. I read some of it in the book today, and I, fi- I had seen this book at the library okay. a couple of few years ago, and I ran across it because I would go over to the library because it was by my work, and I would go in and see what the new books were, and I saw it in the new books. So I think it must have been several years ago because it's from like Because it's no longer a new 14. book. It's not a new book. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But um, I had seen the book, and I thought, "Oh no, I, I don't want to read. I don't want to read that." <laughs> <laughs> you know, and like I said, it was about these two kids that had been in 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 the church with their parents, and then they meet later in life, searching for somebody who's missing. But okay. Anyhow, um, so I went and found it again after you and I decided we would have this conversation with the microphone. Okay. So I could see what it was about. Because you brought it up to me the other night that you were thinking about it. It was one of those things that like, you never quite know whether a survivor of a traumatic or challenging experience like that is going to want to re-engage or disengage. And you and I have both experienced this with other traumatic events that, you know, sometimes we're okay with talking about it and okay with thinking about it and getting there. And other times we're like, nope, nope. Push yeah. it away. Yeah. I, I got no time and energy for this right now. Yes. And so it was interesting to me that like, when you first saw it, you were like, nope. And then the other night when you were like, yeah, I saw this book. And I was like, oh, okay. And then you were like, yes, I read the book. Well, I thought if we're going to talk about it, I wanted to remember things before talking about it. Okay. See? That makes sense. Yes. I appreciate that. So in the book, there were a couple of places where... Uh, the, the person had been writing, you know, the, the character in the story had been writing about their experience, but had, had mentioned some of the decrees or chants. Mm-hmm. And, um, I read the first one. It was a partial segment. Okay. And after that, when I got to the other decrees, I just was like, nope, because I didn't want that in my head. If it's something that you would repeat and repeat and repeat, it will get stuck in your head if mm-hmm. you come back to it later. But mm-hmm. like, what were the topics of some of these things, if I well, can ask? So the topics, one of their their main, uh, what they'd have at their altar might be a good place to start. Because at their altar, they'd have this chart in the middle that was a painting, but it was also a chart of a person on earth. And then this different colors and uh, one of the very big ones was a violet flame and then so then like above that person another section and then on top the higher self okay and that would just be colors or something i don't remember because i didn't go looking for that part and then there'd be jesus and saint germain on the side Mm -hmm. of these this main picture and they'd have other stuff on the altar but that was their main altar. So the, the idea was to bring down this energy from your higher self connected to God down to this plane in your decrees, chants, prayers, etc. Mm-hmm. And so you would call forth that. But a lot of it got to be about all the evils in the world and keeping those on the outside and doing all these chants to keep yourself safe and make other things happen. Because self-actualization is hard, but othering other people and other things is easier. Yes. So they would have retreats. I want to say like seasonally, like probably four times a year, a big retreat. Mm -hmm. And so people would trek across the country to Malibu and go to the campus there Mm -hmm. and stay somewhere nearby and go to this retreat. And it would be, you know, three, four, five days, whatever it was. And you'd go and do all this chanting with other people. Spend hundreds and hundreds of dollars so that they could keep a campus in Malibu. (laughs) Probably. I mean, I didn't have much money, so they didn't get that much out of me, but... 
Right. We're getting it somewhere. Right. Yeah. So I, I was pretty involved. Um, I would go to the all-day Sunday service, and I would go during the week, like on a Wednesday or whatever it was. Sometimes they also had a Saturday service. And then I would go to the retreats. That was a big deal, you know, to everybody to pile in a vehicle and drive across the country. One of the times, as a young adult, probably 18 or 19, I went with the person who was the like manager of that house staff and her sister. We were transporting somebody's vehicle okay. for them. I think we were moving stuff, which actually is a whole nother thing that, that happened. So this church, it was run by Elizabeth Clare Prophet, and she had taken it over after her husband had died. Okay. He was much older than her. And um, she had three kids from that marriage, as far as I know. Okay. Uh, Sean, Moya, and Aaron. I think Sean was the oldest, though. So at some point, as these kids started becoming adults, Sean had moved mm-hmm. to the Chicago house to go to school in Chicago. So with this staff person and her sister, we were going to the retreat and we were also transporting his stuff back because he decided not to stay in Chicago. He was already gone and they wanted us to bring his stuff. Mm-hmm. So he was in like one of the rooms in the top of the house and we went up there to get his stuff. And he had all this stuff that was total contraband as far as the church was concerned. What kind of things were contraband according to the church? Rock music. How very evangelical of them. I know. Like <laughs> I said, they combined everything. Okay. Right? What else? Wrong color clothes and stuff like that. What um, color clothes were wrong according to? Colors like orange and red, black. These were like forbidden colors in your church? They were discouraged. Discouraged. Highly discouraged. That's the right way to put it. Yes. <laughs> The biggest deal to me was I noticed his music, mm-hmm. you know, as a young person, and I saw his cassettes, mm-hmm. and I was like, what the hell is going on here? How does he have this, and how does he have it in the church's house? Because PKs are naughty? They are. <laughs> Just saying. Yeah. But it struck me. It struck a chord with me. Okay. It was one of the f- things I noticed. Like, how old were you when you were doing this? I'm guessing I was like 19 or 20. Okay. I'm guessing. Now, before we move on to how that affected you, what other kind of things were like contraband, like certain types of clothes or certain types of activities? Alcohol. Or... Alcohol. Mm-hmm. That's pretty common. Yes, it is. So is rock, rock music. I mean, like you said, very evangelical to... Mm-hmm. Forbid that. You're familiar with that problem. I am. Yes. Um, that, that was a thing that I remember. I don't remember what else. Probably like posters or decorations he had in his room. Okay. Yeah. How about for you? Like things that, I mean, aside from obviously being into girls. So other expectations or limitations mm-hmm. were you should wear gender appropriate clothing. Which included... Skirts or dresses for women and ties for men. No trousers and no untied collars. Correct. That's... Like if you had a polo, you'd button it. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Men would. Yeah. Yeah. 
See, that's funny because my, my freshman year at Jesus College, mm-hmm. they had a concert and they said, you need to be wearing a, a dress or a tie. And I didn't have any dresses that fit me at the time. So I wore a tie. I, I did that once when I went to a job. Anyhow, they didn't like it. But um, Jesus College just laughed at me. Yeah. Because I was married to a man, so they couldn't say too much. Right. They encouraged natural medicines. Um, they didn't forbid, you know, doctors, like some religions do get kind right. of wild and go that way. Foods, they encouraged being a vegetarian or, you know, eating healthy foods, most of which don't taste good as everybody who tries to eat healthy knows, especially back then. Right. Mm-hmm. There's a reason that you and I still will taste things and say, this tastes healthy. Yeah. So regardless of whenever that helping that guy get his stuff back to California, I also went to, they had a school that was a university. In the sense of Trump University, like not accredited, just we're going to call it that. Yes. Great. Mm-hmm. And so that was like a big deal to go to the, the university. And uh, it would be like a three-month stint, I think it was. And, oh, that sounds really uh, and, legit. <laughs> and you'd stay, you know, they'd house you somewhere as uh-huh. part of your tuition. So somehow I saved up the money and went. It was, I'm going to guess, like around $1,000 or something. I don't know. Maybe not that much. Okay. But this was a long time ago. In the 80s, that is a lot. Yeah. 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 So I went to that. And then uh, then they could really indoctrinate you, you know, mm-hmm. full time. Uh, and you pay for it. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I know how this works. Remember that thing I said, Jesus College? Yes. Yes. Yeah, mine, went- mine actually was accredited, but. <laughs> yeah, which meant it went longer too. Yeah. Yeah. Cost more. Yeah, I was telling me, somebody I- the other day, I'll, I'll be paying those loans off when I'm dead. Right. <laughs> Continue. Yeah, I went to the quick version. Yeah. So. <laughs> Quickie Mart College. <laughs> yes. Great. Yeah. Fast indoctrination. I've seen your certificate from there. Oh, yeah. It's somewhere in my papers or something. Yes. It's hilarious to me because it has this picture of you that's not you. It's bizarre. It is really bizarre fucking bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody would ever know that was me. Right? Um. And I had a, a did, did they did they freak out about the fact that you had short hair because even then you you always had no no they didn't they didn't do that okay um and we stayed in some school campus housing because it was not the part of the year they were in school or so, I don't know what it was it was cold there okay night, because Southern California can be cold at night like it can. Yes. In the mountains. I did make some friends there. There was a lady from Australia. She she uh, said that it was very much like Australia in Malibu. Okay. And I had a friend from the Philippines. That's and they, funny. And they kept the men and the women separate. Of course they did. Yeah. It's funny to me that it's like Australia. Australia is freaking huge. So, of course, there's a part of America that's like right? a part of Australia. Right. You could go to, you know. <laughs> you know. Uh, Oahu and, and, you know, find that same thing on the islands Mm -hmm. over there. Yeah. So different parts of the island have different... You met an Australian and a Filipino. Those are the two people I mostly remember. But um, yeah, so you you stay there. And then when you're done, the prophet, which is also her name... uh, who went by mother. I'm going to need some drinks after this. I'm sorry. (laughs) She would try to give some guidance about where you should go, but she didn't do that in person. You know, she gave it to somebody else who was in charge of your group or something. Right. And she decided that I should stay in Malibu and work in their print shop there because I had experience in a print shop. Mm Mm-hmm. 
But what I also had at 18, 19, 20 years old was extreme anxiety, especially after wearing a skirt for three fucking months. Oh, for goodness sake. Well, and the thing is that what that makes me think of is like our Mormon friends who say that like, if if you're at risk of getting yourself in trouble with other members of your own gender, you have to stay close to home for your mission. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you told me that. Yeah. You and our other queer friends that we went to visit. Uh uh-huh. my, my my buddy from Jesus College and his yes. husband. Yes. yes. Them. They're great guys. They are. Like but them. anyway. Um, well, I tried to stay there. And the idea was you would stay there and they would house you and you'd get up at four o'clock in the morning and go down to the temple and do your chanting and eat. And then you were supposed to find a job. Mm-hmm. And a lot of folks would go to the restaurant that the church had. And they had a restaurant with a store next to it and they'd work in the restaurant serving. And I tried to convince myself I could do that. And I had way too much anxiety and I could not stay there and went back to Chicago. I just, I remember being there and thinking, I can't do this and being conflicted about leaving because mother had said I should stay there. Mm-hmm. And my feeling was at that time more that they, they needed people with printing experience and right. print all their propaganda. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so I, I did. I, I left and went back to Chicago. And I think probably not long after that, started to consider leaving. And in addition to, you know, seeing that the prophet's kid was running amok and that there was an unfair system of who got to do what... What else made you feel like this just really wasn't right for you anymore? Because I was a big queer (laughs) and it didn't fit. Okay. Yeah. But like, were you having more experiences at that point where you were like, I need to go and be queer? Or was it just like... I started to go to meetings for adult children of alcoholics. Okay. And there were other queers. Okay. And I was not able to be in both groups. And so I chose the one I liked better. Okay, that mm-hmm. makes sense yeah. because I understand needing to go to ACOA meetings. Yes. And Al-Anon and whatever else. And so I can see how that then would be putting you in contact with the queers. I was like, are you just sneaking off and going and hanging out at the gay bars for the fun of it? Or <laughs> oh. no, you just met them because of ACOA and Al-Anon yes. and such. Yes. Okay. Yes. And, and I, I would have a good time. And I mostly hung out with gay boys there. Mm-hmm. Unlike San Francisco, Chicago is not so segregated in its gay population. At least it wasn't when It when wasn't I was there. in the 80s, yes. And so um, we'd all go out. Right. All, uh, you know. All the dykes and fags would go out, and they accepted you as one of your one of their own, even though you were in church clothes. No, I wasn't in church clothes. Okay, yeah. you were you you would quit wearing oh, no. skirts. I never wore the church clothes in Chicago. Okay, no, maybe maybe I did on a Sunday to but go I to got church. Out of them right away. Right. Yeah, okay. I couldn't deal with that. Yeah, that sounds a little overwhelming. It is. <laughs> Thank you. Mm-hmm. So after not having been a part of that for decades, then you come up on this book that's like, oh, here's these people that also used to be part of this church triumphant. I was very surprised to to run across something like that. And how did you discover things to have changed after you had left? Well, they didn't mention most of the things we used to do, like the retreats. Mm -hmm. Because I did go to their Montana ranch that they right when they had bought it and we were part of the fundraising to help them buy it. Of course you were, because that's what cults do. They fundraise and buy things. 
Yes. So they had bought a big piece of property like north of Yellowstone. So I did go there with a group from Chicago. Okay. Um, and I went with this guy, Thomas, and his wife was older. And he was like, I don't know if they were Dutch or what they were. And they had this green VW camper bus. It was really cool. Mm-hmm. So I know where the property is that they ended up putting bunkers on. But they were not building bunkers when you were going there. They were not. They were doing things like having us go stumping, which is, you know, go to door, door to door or go to college campuses and... Canvassing. Canvas, yeah. Yeah. So um, we would do things like that and we'd go to these retreats. And then when there would be a big retreat in Malibu, you could participate from Chicago by listening to it. You know, you could... Probably sit, sit on there. a collect line where you have to pay to call and no you'd, you'd be at the church oh okay they would send them the tapes a week later ah okay the recordings mm-hmm. a week later you'd listen to it um yeah they weren't doing any of that they were full speed ahead on the bunker in the book and um doing drills about getting to the bunker and the end of the world and all that why do these things always end up becoming apocalyptic and i mean i guess i answered my question earlier because you know, instead of actually doing the work to make the world a better place, it's easier to just assume that you're going to make your own tiny little world a better place and let the rest of it all go to hell. And many people seem to operate like this. Masks say what? Mm-hmm. Vaccines say what? Shaking my head now. Sorry. Um, <sighs> so they weren't doing any of that. They were really out there. And um, really, really far gone cult. Well, it's good that you got out when you did then. No kidding, right? Because you don't need no bunker. You don't need no apocalyptic worldview. No, no. I did have a nice friend in Idaho I stayed with before the first one. I don't know. I stayed with them, her, her family. She went to, oh, she went to the university with me. Oh, okay. So after I did leave and I was on my way back to Chicago, I went with her to Idaho before they had a retreat in Montana or something like that. I okay. But I slept outside under the stars in Idaho and I really liked it. I bet you did. I did. I like outside. You do like outside. Mm-hmm. Yep. The, the, the Montana retreat was the first, well, maybe the second time I ever had coffee because I was cold. I drank some coffee and I was up for like two days. That's hilarious to me. Oh man, it was painful. I could not sleep. I was just very sensitive. Right. So, (sighs) yeah, that's probably more information than you have ever learned about my experience in a cult. Was there any weird sex stuff? I have to ask because it's the Kimmy Schmidt question. (laughs) Oh, there wasn't. I mean, not that I knew of. Okay. I'm pretty sure that uh, uh, other adults were having that problem, but I didn't see myself as an adult yet, which also can be a trans problem. It can. It can also be a growing up in a dysfunctional situation problem Mm -hmm. because, and we talked about this before, if we had to, both you and I had to start doing the adulting Mm -hmm. younger than we should have. And so there was no milestone to transition us into those activities when we became legally adults. Right. And I didn't identify with the way women progressed in their identification of gender into adulthood. So that was another thing. I remember reading that in one of the books some trans guy wrote, um, maybe it was Matt. Matt Cayley. Cayley, yeah. Saying that he didn't feel like an adult until after he transitioned. Yeah, I it think was one of those there guys. might have been something like that in one of T. Cooper's books too. But um, It might have been T. Cooper's book, I don't know. It, it is a common sentiment. Mm-hmm. 
that trans folk who don't grow up into the right body don't feel grown yet. I had crushes on, you know, lots of different females, like uh, one of the daughters. Mm -hmm. I had a terrible crush on her. And one of the staff members in Chicago. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But there was nowhere for that to go. Oh, no. Mm -mm. That sucks. Yeah, doesn't it? That's why we had to be done. Yeah. We had to be done with that. So you could date people. Yeah. <laughs> so I could be comfortable. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's got to be really stifling to be spending that much of your time doing these repetitive activities, you know, chanting mantras, prayers. It was all this structure that wasn't happening in my life as a young child because oh, I was with those drunks called my parents. Yes. Yeah. That part. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Doesn't it? Yeah. And so I didn't notice it as a problem. I just, it gave you the next thing to do. Yes. Which can be really reassuring. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And you do those chants like you do them when you got in the car for safety and all kinds of stuff. It never stopped. Apparently the prophet, she got Alzheimer's or something. I only read a little bit about it in the in the book I read and in some news article. So Interesting. Yeah. But the book indicated the bunkers were still there. Mm-hmm. Well, and probably it would not surprise me at all if one of her higher ups in leadership or one of her children took over and well, that's that's a book I'm I'm gonna get from the library. I just it's not in our library. I have to go to the next town and get it. But um, they do have it there. A book that her daughter wrote. Okay. And I think it's the oldest daughter. Apparently, she was writing it in 1999, and it did. She didn't finish it till 2008. I don't know why, but if I see the book, maybe I'll find out. Well, I started writing books in 1999 that are still not done. So okay. I looked them up on Wikipedia when I first saw your certificate of graduation from their university. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because you do look things up. Because then I had words to go and research mm -hmm. and find more words about. Yes. And uh, yeah, I remember reading some of those things and thinking, wow, I mean, it tracks, but wow. <laughs> what do you mean? Like the way that you view the world and the way that your understanding of concepts of the supernatural and the ideas of like reincarnation and higher self. And like there are, are things about that that you still find useful, like you've thrown a lot of it away, but there's still some of it that does track with the way that you interact with the world. Right. Those things I identified with, which is how I got entangled with it. Right. Yeah. And there's always some truth in, in there. Otherwise, how would they draw you in? Well, isn't that what Garrick said? The, the best lie is mostly true. Mm -hmm. I'm misquoting poor Taylor, but <laughs> DS9, never mm -hmm. mind. Mm -hmm. It's okay. Yeah, so like it, 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 when I looked it up, it did track that the things that you found useful about it were things that you kept as part of your worldview, even though you had the sense and stability and self determination to discard the rest of it. Right. Well, and it, it certainly didn't happen all at once. I mean, I, I would go to less services and be less involved and then question all the crap that was fed into my head you know, wasn't easy to clean it out of there. 
Well, I think that's how a lot of people who leave a lot of faith traditions oh, yeah. do it. I mean, whether it's a cult or a more established traditional faith that, you know, people who come to terms with the fact that this is not serving me and this is not the way I want my world to be and this is not the all-encompassing truth that I thought it was, mm-hmm. it is always a process. Yeah, yeah, it is. Well, and it probably helps explain to you why I think all the Jesus people are a bunch of fanatics as well. Just doing the same shit. Well, and that's the thing, you know, like, I understand that your opinion of the Jesus people, of whom I count myself as one, Mm -hmm. there are a lot of people who are dumbass fanatics, and there are also a lot of people who are just really good people doing the best they can. Right, right. Well, that's like someone who's never met a trans person, and they meet one, and they realize, oh, this is okay. As I've learned, and as you said a few moments ago, you take the parts that are useful to you. Mm -hmm. You don't have to take the fanatic part, too. No, you do not. That's very helpful. Thank you. You're welcome. I'm glad I can be helpful. (laughs) So is there anything else about that? Anything particularly gendery about your time in the cult that you haven't already mentioned? Or anything else worth mentioning before we wrap up? uh, Nothing's come into mind I'm sure things will come to mind whether I'd like them to or not, but... That is the nature of being a trauma survivor, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> True. So, is that it for now? I think that's it. We'd love to hear from you, so let us know what you think or what you want to hear about by emailing us at transpantastic at gmail.com or by commenting at our website, transpantastic.net. Don't forget to subscribe in Stitcher, iTunes, or your favorite podcatcher, and leave us reviews and star ratings. Disclaimer time. We are neither your doctor nor your mental health professional. We are here to discuss our own lives, so we take no responsibility for your decisions based on our discussions. If you are considering transition, please seek professional assistance. If you are considering parenting while transitioning, you definitely need professional assistance. All contents are distributed under a Creative Commons no-derivative license and may be shared freely in their entirety. Any alteration or less than complete reproduction requires permissions of the hosts. Thanks for listening. Says Yeti. Okay. I say okay and then I look anyway. Of course you do. Mm-hmm. What else would you do? Be sorry. <laughs> can I move this closer to you? You can, but let me move this. It's a little lopsided. It is. Yeah. It wears out in the middle faster than it wears out on the edges, so I always scoot it off to one side or the other so I can sit on the end. We need to have my aunt take all the ends of them and make us a patchwork cushion. Or sew them together in the middle, make a chair cushion. I don't know. You know how I was just you thinking, and I feel about wasting anything. Oh, I know. I was just thinking about opening up the middle seams and just stuffing. redistributing it, oh. adding more stuffing maybe. Mm-hmm. But anyway, are we ready? Yes. Ooh, excuse me. Are you waiting to see if you gave me the yawn? No, I'm waiting for traffic to finish. I know. (laughs) (laughs) I love you. (laughs) Hi, I'm Jess. And I'm George. And all the other stuff that happens along with that, yeah. All the other stuff. What was I supposed to say? No, you're, you're good. Okay. I'm just trying to think of what the other stuff is. And they considered themselves multi, um... The word just went away because probably, you know. Multi-denominational? Yes. Yes, that's the word. Okay. Okay, so I'll say that again. They considered themselves multi... I can't say it. 
It just won't happen. <laughs> Denominational. Denominational. Uh huh. Say it again. Okay. They consider themselves multi. Yeah. <laughs> There's a mental block going on here. <laughs> I'm sorry. You just you just go ahead and say it. Thank you. Ha, 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 ha.